Welcome to episode 210 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Thursday 28th of March 2019. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Hi there, I'm Carlton Reed at contributor to Forbes.com and in today's episode I'm talking with Axel Benson, founder of Urban Sharing, the Norwegian technology startup powering Oslo City Bike, one of the world's most efficient bike sharing schemes and which will soon roll out a trial of cargo bikes as share bikes. Urban Sharing isn't a Nordic version of Mobike. It's operated on very different lines and is expanding around the world on a slower but more financially sustainable timescale. The conversation started with Axel reminding me I rode a pre-launch version of the bike when I visited Oslo in 2016. I was giving a book talk at Peloton, a bike shop cafe. Axel, yeah, Oslo. First, first of all, Oslo seems to be wanting to get rid of cars by ambitiously by 2019. Can I just say before we before we start, I th- say I th- we met uh, when you were in Oslo when you were at Peloton. Yes. Uh, how does we, yeah, and we were just getting started with the city bikes. I think at that time, I don't think we had even launched. I, I had a, I had a go on them. I remember I, I was I went up and down the the street outside the cafe. And because it had a, an interesting um, front luggage thing, I'm pretty sure I put my bag on the front. So yes, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. So yes, I mean, it, it looked like, I, I took, in fact, I took photographs of the bike at the time. So uh, has the bike changed a lot since that first iteration? We've made a new version, yes. Uh, <clears throat> that was, um, that bike was uh, the first one was uh, all the hardware for the for the initial system for Froslo was uh, uh, third party uh, delivery to us and there has been uh, a lot of things that we have made better on the second version to to be to be careful uh, <clears throat> so, um, so de- de- describe yeah. the bike to me compared to say the city share bikes we ha- we see in other cities so like the 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 Boris bike, the Santander bike, the Velib bike. What does your bike do? What, 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 what's on there that's maybe different to, to those other bikes? So uh, you see some of these things uh, popping up on bikes uh, around the world now. What we've done is that we've tried to make the bike uh, focus on rideability and on maintenance, actually. So uh, one of the things we've done is that we've, we've swapped to uh, belt drive. So we have a uh, uh, belt drive, gate belt drive, uh, mm-hmm. gate belt drive this, uh, and we have uh, stepless gears. Uh, those two of the things that are 
particularly made for maintenance. Uh, because you know uh, the the normal three or seven speed gears that are usually on uh, on the shared bikes, they uh, they tend to be the f- the first the first on the list when people people complain that there's something wrong with the bike, you know, because they start slipping with the with the wire stretch. Uh, and, electric? And, Do you have any electric bikes? Not not at the moment. No, we don't. We don't. So, do you have uh, plans yeah. for that? Because many cities appear to be wanting to do bike share electric bikes. We absolutely do. Uh, we've been uh, a bit reluctant because both in terms of we, we want we, we see a lot of change in both the, the the motors and the battery technology happening right now. So we just want to to I mean it's been the same for ages, and now there's a lot of stuff happening uh, both in terms of the the gears that are more. Uh, specific for e-bikes uh, and the motors changing a little bit and, and the batteries, uh, so we've mm-hmm. been waiting a little bit for that. And also, we see that the, I mean, the, there's so much happening with the scooters and, and everything else there that we wanted to uh, not do e-bikes just to do them, but for them to have a real purpose and to be made for that purpose. So, what we, the, the first thing we are going to do with e-bikes is that we're going to do them sort of more of a commuter service rather than just scatter them around uh, the cities. Uh, and so, so that you, we, we, we said that we compare the e-bikes to the train and the, the mechanical bikes to the buses. So you'd have, you, you could have them, you could then connect satellite systems uh, outside of the cities, uh, outside of the city centers and connect them with the city center via e-bikes, but then keep it, keep it lower cost, both in terms of infrastructure and the bikes themselves by using the mechanical bikes for what they're best at. Which is the sh- short trips within the city center or in the satellites, you know, in the suburbs, and uh, mm. and then using, using the e-bike for the A to B uh, commuter route. That's that's the first thing we're going to do, and then of course, I mean, the the at the pace that uh, electrical vehicles now are 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 uh, developing, uh, battery times, battery swapping, uh, charging times, everything will most likely change quite fundamentally over the next uh, two, three, four, five years. So, so who knows, mm. but uh, yeah. And uh, does your bike have pneumatic tires or like Mobike style solid tires? No, they, they, they have, you know, old school, normal tires, not, not solid tires. We, mm. we've, we've tested a lot of different types uh, of tires, uh, different materials, different, you know, uh, all the kinds that you saw in Mobike and, and, and other kinds, but we see that the, the feedback we get from the customers uh, is, uh, <laughs> yeah, has made us reconsider. Uh, so because it is not as good a ride as it is on the, on the, on the, 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 the what do you call them? The, uh, yeah, the, those those uh, filled tires. So we, we mm. see that especially in Oslo, there's a lot of bumpy roads uh, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so so here and, and in Norway and in Edinburgh where we also are, it's people don't like them, basically. Mm. Mm. And it, your system is a docked system, so you've got to go to a dock. It's not like the mobikes at all here. So in in Oslo right now the system is docked, one hundred percent. But in Bergen, Trondheim, and in Edinburgh, it's uh, what we refer to as a hybrid system, which we can with our uh, controller that we put uh, the the locking control that we put in front of the bike that's one can lock uh, it both can dock to a physical dock and it can lock to itself uh, the same controller which means we can have have it where you need the extra tidy order in the city you can you can have normal docking 
in in the docking stations that we've made, but that are, that are now completely dumb docking stations. There's there's no need for powering or computer power in the docking station itself. They're just stupid stupid docks, uh, and then we can have virtual stations where the where the bike locks to itself, meaning we can using geofence uh, and and other technology we can decide whether you're able to pause the trip or you're able to end the trip in, in designated areas. And, and it also no, means I, that we can have virtual overflow. It means that we can say at certain times of the day, if the station is full, you're able to park an extra 50 bikes around it, for instance. So we can, we can dynamically change, change how the system behaves. Okay. Now I, I saw in, a, in a, like a, a swords to plowshares type thing that you, some of your docks are recycled cars. Correct. So all, all, the, all the new ducts now, they're made of aluminium and, and the, the, those are actually from, we, we get that uh, uh, that material uh, that's sourced from, from uh, recycled cars, actually, yes. <laughs> that's cute. Very yeah, cute. It is. It's, it, 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 feels, uh, it, it feels fun to, you know, to, to know that's the case. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Now, who, who's paying? For this, so this this is municipalities are paying for this as an investment for the for their citizens. This that's that's different from from city to city. So in in um, the only city we have at the moment where there's an actual you know cash payment from the city itself is in Bergen, uh, and uh, in all the others it's uh, it's a self finance system and and it's. Um, in in uh, Oslo, uh, the you could say the payment from from the municipality is is the the permits to put up ad shells, so to have advertising sales on the streets. Uh, so so that's we get permits for a number of those ad shells, and that's that's our main source of income for subsidizing the system, uh, because the the user payment is. Uh, uh, so far, ne- never enough, uh, as far as I can tell from any system. Uh, you always need a sponsor and or ads or municipality to subsidize it. Uh, and in, in uh, Edinburgh, it's the same thing. There's no payment from the municipality or, or from transport for Edinburgh. It's, uh, it's uh, based on sponsorship and, and uh, pay- payments from the riders. Okay. And you're also trialing, and I'm guessing this is Oslo only at the moment, but you're trialing um, cargo bikes. Yeah, we are. Uh, and that's we, we started it this uh, we started it in winter so that's why we haven't scaled it that much yet but it's uh, that's gonna that's gonna continue to scale up and we're going to do that in other cities as well because we see that it works so and again it's it's easy for us now to to add uh, uh, vehicles with other form factors than the traditional bike because we don't need to dock it necessarily it can still be then virtually docked using the controller so uh yeah we've added cargo bikes we've been testing four different types of cargo bikes now to, to see what works what's most popular what this yeah and it's uh it's i mean it's the if you've never tried the cargo bike before it might be more difficult to have the two-wheeler than the three-wheeler and so on so we try to have different form factors and see what people think and it's really interesting and, and what are, yeah sorry what are people liking then what are the, what are their favorites it's uh, it's a divide between those that are used to cargo bikes. They like the the uh, two wheelers uh, because it's faster. <laughs> Just it's 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 a uh, when you get the hang of it, that's a much faster bike. Uh, and uh, uh, but those that are uh, let's say new new to cargo bikes, they like the three wheelers because they're very very steady and and, and uh, easy, easy to 
easy to drive through the the city. So, uh, but it's interesting to see that it's actually being used for for uh, you know real shopping and and uh, making errands and and so it's 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 fun and it's uh, the usage is is quite good. Any chance of getting children carrying cargo bikes or is this always going to be for for for, for shopping that kind no, of thing uh no uh i think at least two of them have uh, has seats in them so uh so two of them you can you can have have kids in two of the types types that we're trying now the, the form factor of these the, the sheer size of them suggests that you know we, we as you know bike share certainly the dockless ones get a lot of criticism for i'm now doing um, like air quotes here for for littering the pavement for littering the streets as though cars don't but something as big as a cargo bike if these are left around then people are really going to start complaining so how, how can you uh, get around that so our approach so far has been that we've uh, the first ones we talked to was uh hertz carpool actually that this was a cooperation with them uh, they're starting to pop up all around with and having having uh, space, car, parking spaces in garages for their carpool service, and this seemed to be a natural extension of that. Taking the even shorter trips that you shouldn't use uh, even the carpool service for, but being being something in between the the car and the and the regular shared, shared bike. So so uh, we got some space from from uh, Hertz carpool, and then we see that. A lot of this can be solved because businesses are interested in this. So uh, different kind of shops and businesses want to give us space to, to do this. And also the municipalities mm. are very much interested in this because they're, uh, as has been done in Oslo, trying to remove the cars, but then they they need to provide a service back that's, that, that, that will help you not use the car. And this is very much in, uh, in, up that alley. So. So it's a, it's we see that it's yes we you're absolutely right we cannot just park them anywhere or or do a free float much less with this than anything else uh, but it seems so far quite easy to get people on board to to provide the space for them. So so you mentioned Oslo's plans there. I mean that that's you know very exciting for for uh, livability advocates around the world that Oslo uh, apparently wants to to ban cars from the city centre. Is that something that is still ongoing? Are they going to meet the goal? I mean, the goal was meant to be 2019, which is this year. So where is the the city of Oslo at with uh, getting rid of cars? They've reached some of the goals. It's been, been, they have, I guess, uh, changed the plans a bit as they've gone along here. Uh, the whole banning cars altogether in city center, I think that was, it, it's proven difficult. People actually live here. And, and so far it's, it's very difficult to altogether say overnight that you're, or over a very short period of time, you're not allowed to use your car anymore. Uh, and, uh, but what's, what's happened is that there is no, in the city center now, there is no more public, regular public parking. So they have reached that goal and they've started closing off streets for cars, a lot of streets. So they've, in the banning, I'd say they're uh, reaching around, you know, 20% of the streets you can no longer, uh, or 20% of the streets that you can no longer use a car, but there is no regular car street parking for cars 
in the city center. Oh, oh, I, I, quite apart from what motorists think, what do shops think? What are what are the retailers thinking about this? I think uh, I think most of them are still pretty. Uh, you know, conservatives saying that this is a this is a horrible thing that they will go all go bankrupt if if they ban the cars, uh, and there are of course some there are a lot of numbers out there. A lot of both the the business owners have had their surveys and counting people, uh, and the, also the the municipality has done the same. Uh, so there's sort of an information war going on as well whether this actually is good or bad for business. Uh, but I, I think that this is this is happening anyway. Change need, it, it needs to change the way this uh, works. So uh, I, I know it can hurt from from I mean for for a for a single business to to uh, to lose the parking outside their their business. But in some way or another, this is happening, and I think just they need you need to adapt your whole retail experience to what's coming all over the world uh, over the next few years. And s- sometimes it helps to just be pushed into it and be part of the, the, the first, first rollout of this. Well, I've just done a story literally 15 minutes before we came on, on uh, online here. I did a story for Forbes on Madrid, which they banned, or the city of Madrid banned cars in the city centre for an experimental period at Christmas. And they have found that retail takings across restaurants, shops, everything, increased on the main shopping street by 9.5%. So retailers and restaurants are clearly will, will, will kick and scream saying, no, we don't want this. But when it actually happens, we found in city after city, it actually increases takings. Yes. And I think so too. In addition to this, you, you need to do this. There is no more space. We, we need to, this is not efficient. Uh, uh, of course, there will be a transitional period where, when people get used to this, when people get used to the fact that they can can uh, can uh, use bikes or car, borrow cargo bikes and, and, and go there. Uh, and when people, when shops start to, you know, have delivery services, all these kind of things. But I, I, I truly believe that this is better. You, you, have, you have room for more people. That's That's the thing. So, mm-hmm. so I think it over time will be, will be a positive thing, and I also think that you know the whole whole protest uh, thing. I I, I uh, sometimes say this is to me the protests now. This feels like when the when we banned smoking, uh, everyone was like so angry that this was the, a huge uh, uh, grip on their whole. That this they this is their privacy. They want to. Why would they be banned from smoking? in private establishments and blah, blah, blah. And now, 10 years later or whatever it is, people are like, we used to smoke inside. That seems so crazy. It's like when you're on a plane, mm-hmm. try to try to imagine the fact that half the plane was smoking. <laughs> it is utterly insane. And I think that will be exactly the same thing happening in the city center. It will be, we parked cars here uh, in five or 10 years from now. So uh, mm. all of these transitions have a, have a period of angry people, and that's uh, that's that's totally. Th- th- I think that's needed. So, one way to mollify the, the angry people, I guess, is to give them alternatives, or, or not alternatives. That's, that's actually a poor choice of words. To give them something actually better, um, in many ways, 
So that's things like uh, I'm sure you've seen the, uh, the the transit apps like Wim, mm-hmm. um, and in London the, the the City Mapper Pass, which is trying to get people to use other forms of transport, make make other forms of transport as convenient as the A to B and stopping off wherever you want as a as a car. So bicycles and share bikes fit into a scheme that they're not you know we're not you're not forcing everybody to get on a bike all of a sudden presumably oslo is also creating much much better public transit to which your bikes and maybe scooters and electric bikes and cargo bikes whatever will fit in will mesh into that system yes uh and i think the one of the reasons is that it the the main public uh, i mean the, the the public transport operator Ruti in in uh, oslo uh, both they and the, the city as a whole is very much aware that this needs to be connected somehow and, and want to and and they're also when it comes to bikes uh the the fact is so sometimes people say people say oh you, you need to to get bikes out there to replace car rides but we usually see uh from from both surveys and, and otherwise that we're usually not taking people out of cars and onto bikes. We're taking people off the buses to make room for people to get out of the car and onto the bus. So it's sort of a it's it's a link between us and and, uh, and the, the bikes and and the cars uh, that people seem to forget sometimes. Uh, because the, the 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 fact in Oslo right now is that for the, as as far as the buses go, it's full. It and and that does it doesn't matter if you make uh, the city center car free. There are no there's no room for more buses in the city center. And uh, so what they really want is to push those that take, you know, the two, three stops out of the bus onto bikes or to to walk uh, so that they can cater to more people needing the six, seven, eight stops, uh, which is really what the, the bus, the, the job that the bus does best. Uh, so <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's all about the, both the municipality and the public transport operators very much into the whole seeing the mobility space as one whole space and, and connecting it. <clears throat> but, but then there's the discussion and, and implied in what you said, at least I, I, I heard you say, uh, these services that try to do it like you one app to rule them all and the, the everything as a service. I think that to me, that's not the main point and not the main goal. The main, the main issue of this is to provide the information as easy as possible, whether everything's available as a subscription or in one app I don't think that is is the main main thing but uh, but it's uh, because you will it will lose a lot of development and a lot of uh, uh, features and everything quite quickly if you try to if you try to fully integrate uh, you know five six seven eight nine services into one app uh, you will quite soon have a lot of technical debt uh, and uh, lost functionality inside that service. So it's gathering information, sharing information, open data, so that you can integrate all the info, have these uh, travel suggestions, including also bikes and, and trams and whatever. Uh, makes mm. very much sense. But when it comes to actually paying for the trip, that's quite more difficult. And I'm not sure we should put as much effort into doing that as some are right now. Hmm. Okay, because well, I, I did interview the the CEO of Wim, mm-hmm. um, who you know they do want bikes and and bike share bikes to be absolutely a, a key part of of their system. So they want people to you know get a, a 
maybe a train from here, you know, bus to this part, and then the last mile, a scooter or a or a, a city share bike. So those, I mean, I am quite pleased the fact that they are absolutely treating bikes as part of the system. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's it's where it falls down slightly is say folding bikes. So where people have got their own bikes and they're they're carrying on the transport system. Yeah, because we are talking here, of course. But you've got city bikes, so that's that's your mode. You want people to get onto city bikes, mm-hmm. the share bikes, I should say. Yeah. So, but, but but it's I think it's great for everyone trying to integrate and you know make available or make visible that there are so many options and for you to choose the right one. And there will be more options. I mean, right now we see the e-scooter, uh, the kick bike, which is really it, it's it's popular, but it is really not made for sharing. So what will happen in the next like six to eighteen months is that you'll see so many new form factors within that micro mobility, the small electric vehicle space, uh, which means you have even more options to, to choose the right mode of transport for exactly the trip you're choosing. And to help people choose that right one is a, is a, is, is a, is a big job, and it's fantastic that these guys are doing it. I just think that when it comes to, I mean, look at it from our side, we're, we're doing sometimes several releases in our apps per day. Uh, we have many feature releases each month and if a company like that is going to provide a platform where they make all of these features and all of the whole experience available all the time for seven eight nine different or a hundred different services i think they're not going to provide the best user experience for the user but i mean if you have one front that shows all the information and then app switching you're sort of the user experience is flawless uh so it's, it's mm. just about yeah, it's annoying to register for a lot of different services, but that could be solved. So uh, this is an, this is the ongoing discussion, and, and I'm sure it will look different in in uh, year or two as well. But but right now, it, it's uh, I think it's more about sharing information than making everything one joint service. Okay, has Oslo had, or does it still have um, these other that the, in effect the Chinese um, uh, bike share bikes? So. So Ofo, Mobike, there's quite a few of them. Yeah. Has Oslo had any of yeah, those? Yeah, Mobike launched, um, was it uh, late, very late 2017? Uh, actually, they launched two days after we had closed uh, our system in Oslo for the winter. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, so, so they were there for like three, four months, and then they shut down. So it, uh, that was it, actually. No, none of the others uh, came, came in. But you've been to other cities where you've seen these things oh, yeah. in action. Absolutely, yeah. So what are what are your thoughts on? Because clearly they were going to take over the world. Uh, they were going to be in every single city, and they were going to make billions. And most of them have pretty much died the death. So would you do you expect that, or did you think of them as oh they're a, they're a competitor to be really feared? It's uh, it's difficult to answer this without uh, sounding uh, you know uh, backtracking here, but no, I we did expect this to happen. I never expected this to happen within a year, which it basically did. So for the pendulum to, to swing back in in you know basically one year eighteen months, that was much faster than I ever imagined. But I felt certain that the it would swing back because the cities 
uh, when they, yeah, sometimes cities move slow, but when they move, they need to take back the order and take back the control of the, I mean, one of the scarcest resources they have, which is space. So I thought that this mm. would not work in the long run in that way it was, that most of these guys would be bankrupt within a year with all that money and everything, never saw it coming. So, but but that, that it ended up the way it did, I truly believe it would. Mm. Now, a second ago, you said something that has happened in Montreal as well. And I, I'm interested to find out how how citizens actually cope with this. And that is the bike share system closes down for the winter. So when when do you close down and, and how do people get around if you haven't got bike shares anymore? Again, that's different from city to city. Uh, Oslo has closed down. Trondheim has, uh, closed, uh, is closing down. Uh, Bergen open, uh, Edinburgh is open all year. Uh, and this year we also had our first pilot for winter bikes in Oslo. So we put studded tires on, on uh, mm. uh, a number of bikes and had a closed pilot to see how it would work. And it's been great. People have been riding no matter snowstorms or ice or whatever. So uh, I think we're going to keep it open at least in Oslo also next year uh, because it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's a more and more common thing to use your bike during the winter as well. But of course, it is. I mean, we're, we're then in Oslo, uh, a city of uh, 600,000 people. We are providing, I mean, we're getting uh, 3 million trips uh, on the city bikes between April and November. And those trips need to go somewhere, as you say. So that means the buses are insanely full during the, those months of winter uh, in Oslo. And, and uh, it's actually problematic. So, so that's partly why we're working with the city to try to find a way to keep it open during winter. Axel, where have you come from? What's, what's your background? How come you are now doing something uh, with, with share bikes? So I'm, my, my background is I'm, I'm sort of a, well, what you would call a serial entrepreneur, I guess, uh, where I've, I've uh, sometimes say I've never had a real job. I always had to start something for myself. Uh, so I, I started up in, I've been doing a number of startups within, always something within, with a touch of technology in it. So we dealt with mobile phones and mobile services. Uh, company I started in 1998. Uh, I've been working with uh, payment terminals and payment services, um, creating uh, uh, some uh, event management systems based on RFID cards and, and so on. So, um, my approach here was was kind of random that we stumbled into the bike share business uh, in the first phase. We were that, that we were told about the case of of uh, the Oslo city bikes getting out there, and and my approach was that I'd been an, a user of the Oslo city bikes for years and years, and when I heard it was out for tender, I I had a lot of ideas of how to make it better, uh, both in terms of I thought that the making the payment service, the payment part easier, which is now, I mean, that's common across all things. It's, it's in the app. That's how we pay. Uh, but at the time, that was a more tedious uh, uh, process of ordering a card online and paying and then confirming with a credit card. It was a, it's a very, very uh, tedious uh, process. And, and, uh, and also to uh, then use the technology to make this more available and more spontaneous. Because what we saw was that when you thought of using a, a city bike, uh, it would take you two to three weeks at least before you could have the first trip. And we wanted that to be less than two minutes. 
uh, we thought it might must have to be possible. So that was sort of the oh, there's something here we can do, and uh, then we've just seen that there's so much to be done, both in terms of making that platform for uh, more more than just bikes and, and to to uh, get this into the world. So it was we started by by seeing that the, or being told that this uh, tender was out and and working uh, trying to find the right partners to work on this and then. Then just went at it from there, building a rather large organization now for uh, both the technological platform and operation and everything. So tell me about your plans for the future. Where where do you see urban sharing in a year's time, five years time? What what, what kind of cities are you talking to? So what we would uh, we try to be a. I think there's so much to be done in sharing data and and basing both decisions, uh, city planning, uh, transportation planning and usage and everything on data and shared data. And in order to do that, you need a platform that works uh, both for the for the end user that is uh, that makes it easy and and comprehensible for for the end user and across different types of, of assets, shared assets, and you need a platform that provides a lot of data and open data to both the municipality and to other players that want to, to provide services in the same space. So I think that that's what we want to be. We want to be that platform powering uh, the scooter services out there or the bike services or the, uh, as, as uh, NAPSA, you know, North American Bike Share Association, as they say, if it if it fits in a bike lane, uh, I think that's a that's a quite quite uh, later nice later uh, definition of of uh, what we're looking at. So exactly what the hardware or what the assets are, I don't know. But we we definitely want to be a platform for sharing uh, mobility assets in the city and interacting with the city, uh, meaning not having a bike share system like before where you set out the system and, and plan the 300, 400, 500 stations and it stays that way for 15 years. We want to be part of a dynamic system growing and and, and, uh, and changing with the city and its, uh, its people. And I, I actually, I've just looked at the photographs from 2016 when I actually saw the first iteration yeah. of your bike. Um, and the the I knew there was something about the the front handlebars that was interesting at the time. So the the, the current iteration of your bike has got like the the front um, holder for a bag, but it no longer has. And it's interesting to hear about your telecoms background. It no longer has that telephone holder, yes. the smartphone holder on the front, which I I was very intrigued by when I saw it because it, 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 you know, at the time I had a, a navigation app. Is that is that gone now on the new bike? No, no it's still there. Still there, it just looks different. Still ah. there, yeah. Oh, perfect. Because very, I don't think of, I know of any city bikes, share bikes that have got that integration. No, it was uh, Jump's last uh, version of their bike has one. Uh, and it's quite neat, actually. It's a, a spring-based thing. Uh, you you pull out a lever and it, it, it actually rests on sort of a bed inside. It's it's it's, it's quite a nice nice feature on the jump bike on the newest newest version of the jump bike. So if you have a look at that, it's a, it's a neat one. But that's that's the only other one I've seen. Mm. Mm. 
Because if you're in a city, and certainly you're a tourist and you're new to the city, or even if you're not, even if you're just like uh, you live there and you're just going to a new place, you want to fire up your app that navigates you around. And it it is all because a lot of these share bikes have got they they have got kit on there that isn't the same as the kit you have on your own bike. So you can't just put your own like clamp systems on. You've got to somehow. I mean, it's basically dangerous to be there carrying your your, your phone in your, your hand. So something to clamp your phone to the front just seems such a, a no-brainer yeah. to me. Yeah, you know, your one, and then as you said, the the jump one, so, have yeah. got and, it. And, so, and of course, there was a lot of co- people then come with the concern saying, oh, but you're not supposed to look at a phone while you're riding. But as I say, people are going to do that anyway because they need to navigate and then it feels safer to have it there sort of in line of sight and and and, uh, and also just the the fact of having it in your pocket while riding uh, makes you lose the phone uh, so uh, so we think it's a nice feature and and uh, the only the only downside we've seen is that people forget to take the phone with them uh, <laughs> some people do but actually the, that's a big problem and a lot of the time, and that might be because uh, we are naive uh, Norwegians, but a lot of the time people actually call us and say, hey, I found the phone in this bike. Can you hmm. tell me who owns the, that... owns the phone or do you want it to do it somewhere? Yeah. So, but, but, it's, but that's the biggest problem we've seen with it. But it's, I think it's a nice little feature. Yeah. Thanks to Axel Benson of Oslo City Bike there. You can find out more on his bike and his company at urbansharing.com I'll place that URL on the show notes of course which is at the hyphen spokesmen.com Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. The next show will be available soon. Meanwhile get out there and ride. <laughs>